Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Reflections from Maynooth is the title of my time with you. And immediately there's probably two groups of people in the building. One is sitting there saying, I never thought I'd see the day when our conference would be having reflections from Maynooth. And the other part of you are going, where's Maynooth? What on earth is that? Well, let me try and tell you. I don't know where I'm supposed to point this. Is it here? Yeah, we are. Um, We're about 210 kilometers here from Bangor, 25 miles west of Dublin. Although, as I discovered, old Manithians like to say Dublin is 25 kilometers east of us. Um, They're very proud people who live in Manith. Manith is very much a growing place. It is... Um, bookended by two large uh, dominant realities. On one side is Carton House Domain, um, this huge um, old uh, dwelling for the Earls of Leinster that now is Carton House, and some of you might know Carton House Golf Club um, that hosts the um, Irish Open. It's also the home of the Irish rugby team. If ever you're wondering where they go before matches, they come to Maynooth. On the other side, we have St. Patrick's College, um, which is the training college where the Catholic Church in Ireland uh, trains all its diocesan priests. And alongside of it, rapidly growing over the last 10 years, has been the originally the new university um, of Ireland, Maynooth Campus. It's now called Maynooth University. Um, it began in 1997 with a couple of thousand students. Um, last year it had 9,500 students. By the time the current building projects are finished, it'll be up around 12 or 13,000 um, students. It's one of the fastest growing universities in the country. In between these large edifices lies the commuter town of Maynooth, once a quiet country village. Now it's home to many who work in the high-tech industry. Um, Maynooth is kind of in the Silicon Valley of Ireland. Um, and around us there are Hewlett-Packard, Intel, 3Com, uh, you name it. It's an electronics um, sort of centre within Ireland. When I was doing my undergrad, I did computing and electronics at Durham University, and the week before I was due to go there, I got a letter from Durham saying they decided to change the course over the summer. And over the summer, they changed it to microelectronics, and I had absolutely no interest in it. And for three years, I was bitterly uh, resentful of this change, and who cares how many transistors you can get in the size of your thumbnail, etc., etc., And one of the many delights for me in God's sovereignty is that if I hadn't had an electronics degree from Durham University in the early days of MCC, I would never have any conversation with anyone because the only conversation was about microelectronics. So if you think that the current path God has you on is a bit of a disaster, just hang in there. You never know um, what he will eventually do. MCC began, um, our first service was back in 2003, and we were constituted um, as a congregation in 2007. As I mentioned this morning, um, what's interesting is that before 2003, it had almost been 100 years since our denomination had last planted a new congregation within the Republic of Ireland. And you can be discouraged by that, or you can be encouraged, as I shared this morning, we chose to be encouraged. That meant that initially, I was the best church planter in a century. 
MCC was the best new church in the Republic of Ireland in 100 years. Um, sadly now, or delightfully now, Andy Carroll is leading a second new congregation in Donabate in North County Dublin. So I'm probably now the second best church planter that there's been um, in a century. We began in a small way as a home group and have grown, and now we meet here in this a wonderful facility, and I'll come back to this because in our early years we were meeting in the Maynooth Post Primary School. Uh, when did MCC began, or begin? It began some 24 years before I showed up when a lady from Bangor married a gentleman and moved uh, to County Kildare and became a teacher in the school. And the only reason we were able to meet in the school was that this highly respected Christian teacher had been there so long and we were there for almost all of our years and about a year and a half ago we moved to this new premises which is in Manor Mills shopping centre so we actually meet above Dunn stores and it's an interesting thing to try and you know do we add this in do your shopping after search or what do you do it's a handy place to be. Um, What I've been asked to do tonight um, as I've done with the, the congregation itself previously is to just reflect a little on what we've been learning Um, In this situation of church plant, I was privileged to do a 15-month research project before we started into new churches in the Irish Republic. And then over these years, I've been privileged to lead the team trying to start this new congregation in Maynooth. And there's a number of things that I want to share with you in the time that we have together. Firstly, and I know it's been covered already, but let me just mention what we all know anyway, the centrality of prayer. I've been absolutely amazed at the difference prayer has made um, in the life of our congregation. When I was a university student, my call to ministry was kind of confirmed. Um, And I remember during my first year, there was a delightful Irish girl uh, also came to Durham. And I spent the year trying to convince her that she needed to give her life to Jesus. And I did everything I could. I took every opportunity I could. And at the end of the year, she presented me with this lovely gift that was wrapped up with a little bow. And inside this little tube, um, when I unwrapped it, there was a poster. And I thought, oh, this is very nice of her. And I took the poster out, and it was a Garfield poster. And the Garfield poster read as follows. Two foundational facts of human existence. One, there is a God. Two, you are not him. (laughs) That was her response to my year's efforts. But if I can say one thing that I have learned over these years is that this is not our work. It is his. God is the missionary. We are not bringing him wherever we're going. He's already there. He's already at work. And when we come together and recognize his presence and seek his empowerment, it is just phenomenal what can take place. I don't know if you're familiar with Exodus chapter 17 and the story there of of Moses and Joshua as Israel is attacked by the Amalekites. Um, But it's fascinating, this story of the battle that takes place in the valley and the battle that takes place on the hill above it. Because what happens is, as Joshua, who has been nurtured and trained and mentored by Moses, leads the forces of Israel into the -the on-the-ground encounter, so Moses goes up on the hill overlooking the valley, and he begins to pray. And the two events, as we read the story, give us the proper picture of what our ministry is all about. It does involve being in the valley. It does involve getting proper training and mentoring and making great decisions. And if we'd been there and had seen Joshua lead the army, we would have been so impressed with his leadership and his wisdom and when to attack and withdraw and when to reinforce. 
But the truth is, the outcome was decided by what took place on the hill. And we read in verse 11 of Exodus 17 the following words, Whenever Moses held up his hand in prayer, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, the Amalekites prevailed. And then it goes on, but Moses' hand grew weary. You and I need to pray if we're going to see the work of the kingdom because the work is empowered by his spirit, as we heard this morning. The work is empowered by God working through us and in us. And the centrality of prayer, I couldn't say enough about how we've learned that over the years. The second is the importance of community. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And I would say that church planting ultimately could be boiled down to this single thing. It's about forming a Christian community. I remember so well the first day I drove out from Lucan, where I was living at the time, to the very first Bible study in Maynooth. And as I drove out the the road towards the home that had agreed to host the Bible study, I remember my prayer was very simple. Lord, please let someone be there. Please let someone be there. And there were nine people who came to that first And I think the the whole trajectory of our congregation was really determined by that first meeting because there were five of those nine that had never in their lives been in a Bible study before. They were people I had met or others who were in the initial team had met and who genuinely were searching after God. And so they decided to come. And the Christians were to the left and these guys were to the right. And happily, I began to the right when I said, I'd love us to begin tonight by sharing a little bit about where we are. Because if we're going to be in a group together, we're going to have to get to know each other. We're going to have to trust each other. And as these people began to share, because they'd never been before, they didn't know that Christians aren't supposed to tell the truth. And so the first person talked about the fact that they're, well, they've been trying to come off depression medication for years now. And they're really struggling and they're really hoping that God can help them. The second person described their childhood abuse and the battles that they had had to try and overcome some of the issues that that had led them into. And so it went on. And I confess that I sat there that night initially going, Lord, are you serious? Is this really the people that you want me to help start a church with? But I've come to realize that the vulnerability and honesty of that first group, of course, when we got to the Christians, by the way, we were praying for our next door neighbor's cat and great aunt and -and so-and-so, he's grandson had a problem but I come to realize that the vulnerability in that group took us immediately to a place of genuine community and it's a real mark of what it is to be followers of Christ Tertullian reminds us that even the Romans exclaimed about the Christians see how they love one another Justin Martyr reminds us of the radical difference Christian community makes in people's lives we he says who used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else We now bring what we have into a common fund and share it with anyone who needs it. We used to take and destroy, hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. Now, because of Christ, we live together with such people and we pray for our enemies. Community is an amazing thing. And one of the joys for me about discovering the gift of community and its importance is that all of us can do this. This is a fabulous building, and I feel envious every time I come here, but you don't need a fabulous building to model genuine Christian community. You don't even need your whole church to be willing to come with you to model genuine Christian community. 
All you have to do is to be willing to gather a few people together and say, hey, how about we meet together to encourage each other in our faith and to look after each other and the way you go. Possibly the most missional act any of us will ever do is to love those around us. And I think that's what Jesus was pointing us to. Thirdly, the impact of service. I've been really fascinated because it's the first time in my life I've ever gone somewhere where everyone is entirely suspicious of me. In the early years, we were not only a cult, we were a vile cult. Um, One person um, said to a neighbor who came to us, why on earth would you go to a Presbyterian church? They don't even believe in God. And um, etc., And in the face of that, how is it in mission do we overcome the barriers that exist now to people even hearing us? And I think Jesus modeled this brilliantly through service. God is the missionary, and God's primary method of mission was incarnation. And you and I must also make the word flesh. Let your light shine before others, Jesus says, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to just illustrate, if I may, this. We do two big events each year in Maynooth. One is is the MCC Arts Festival, um, where we take over the square in Maynooth um, in July every year. And from 9 o'clock in the morning to about 11 o'clock at night, we actually don't leave. Tidy up takes to about 12.30 midnight. And we serve tea and coffee that's free. And we do face painting and games, and then our kids do an art project each year on a theme, maybe love your enemy or justice or freedom, um, whatever it is, and they display their art pieces. And then at nighttime, we invite friends to come, and some of our, again, young people, they sing, and we've usually about eight groups who come along um, who sing at that, and we just literally take over the square for the day, and it it can be a really wonderful, um, amazing experience. The second thing that we're involved in is called the St. Patrick Breakfast. So on St. Patrick's Day each year, we um, take over the ballroom in um, the local hotel, and we organize a breakfast for our community, and people come, and they meet, and they mingle, and there's Irish dancing, and there's African dancing, and there's all kinds of things, and singers who come, and then for 15 minutes, someone stands up and speaks about reconciliation or justice or poverty. Um, in a way that honours not only Patrick, but the one who inspired him in his life. These are not events that really gain anything for us, but both these events have been so dramatic in the impact to how our community has come to regard us. Um, In, oh, I forget now which year it is, maybe six years ago, we decided that another act of service we would do would be to put a kitchen into the school that we were meeting in. A school that never had a kitchen, The school would like an upgrade from the little hatch that they had. So thanks to people, including members of um, Hamilton Road Church here, um, we actually put in a kitchen that was worth about 25,000. And we're able to do it for about five or 6,000. And we were so successful because we were knowing that this meeting place that we were putting the kitchen in could then become our new venue. It was a bigger hall and we had plans to put in heaters and and there was a lovely storage area that we could buy our own chairs and put them in and we'd have this great meeting place. And it's interesting to tell you this because this idea of service apparently totally failed because so successful were we in putting a kitchen in, the school decided not to upgrade. They decided to bring in outside caterers 
By the time we came back after the break, the outside caterers had filled the hall with fridges that were so noisy you couldn't hear anything. The storage area for our chairs was full of freezers and and food storage. And just like that, the idea of us having this glorious place to make tea and coffee after our services and events was totally gone. But all we could say was we really felt this was something God was leading us to. We now meet in a multi-million state-of-the-art brand new venue. Why? Because the head of the Kildare and Wicklow Education Training Board um, is a former principal of the post-primary school in Maynooth. And he was so impressed by the fact that we would put that kitchen in that he rang us as they completed this amazing facility and said, Keith, I think you should meet here. This is far better And for the first time in four or five years, we now have a venue that we love, and we can now put extra chairs. Not only that, we now have large storage cupboards that we store everything in. By this time next week, we hope to have 140 new chairs that are coming. You've no idea the struggles we've had to try and get somewhere to put chairs to make our setup a whole lot easier. This amazing, wonderful facility came to us because God led us to put a kitchen in a school down the street. A second thing that really happened, um, interestingly, is that this year the university moved in. Half the facility was rented to the university, and the university immediately stated they didn't want the church there. And I was called to a meeting, um, and the meeting began with the guy saying to me, well, for starters, you need to take out that storage cupboard that you have. And to be honest, for security reasons, we don't think you can continue meeting here. So he set me in the kitchen, and he went off to get the security um, staff and the members of the, the college faculty that were meeting now here, I sat in that room and I went, okay, Lord, <laughs> uh, help, please help. This does not look at all good. And he came in, there's about eight people sitting around the room. And one of them I recognized because through the St. Patrick breakfast and through the conciliation work that myself and a number of others are involved in in Maynooth um, around the idea of St. Patrick's legacy, I had been to an event with him, and I said, hey, I really enjoyed your event um, the other day. And immediately the security guy turned to me and said, hang on a minute, are you that Keith McCrory? And I said, I hope so. And then we got talking about chaplaincy at the university, and I said, yeah, I met these guys through the chaplaincy work that I've been doing on campus. And another one of the security guys said, are you actually a staff member in the university? And I said, yeah, actually I am. I'm a part-time staff member. And I had been for about three weeks. Um, I am. And by the end of that meeting, not only were we allowed to stay, that they changed all the locks to take away the security issue that they had. They told us to leave the cupboard right there and assured us if we need any help at any stage, we were just to ask. Now, what is that all about? We could just as easily have had nowhere to meet But God was at work. And through these acts of service that we had done, unknowingly, really, God was preparing the way for us. The power of invitation. I've been amazed over the last eight years the difference a simple sentence can make in someone's life. And I want to illustrate it from my own story. Um, Tom asked me if I do this today. As some of you know, I am here tonight because of a simple sentence someone once said to me. I hope as you look at me and hear me tonight, you will think I'm a reasonably decent 
uh, gentleman, but I want to assure you my background was very different to most of yours. I grew up in Chantallo in Derry, in a nationalist-involved family. Members of my family were part of the paramilitary organizations. Her Majesty's services visited my home very regularly at 5 a.m. to raid our home. Blood and tears and violence were part of my childhood. I grew up in a broken home, in a broken neighborhood, and I think I was pretty much a broken person. And then God changed all that through a simple invitation. One of the teachers at my school had no doubt been to an event like this. And when asked what they could do to try and help people hear the gospel, he decided that he was going to ask every boy he taught to come along to a thing called Crusaders, as it was then. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. He came to my door. No one came to my door except Her Majesty's servants, forces. And I was so taken aback that someone would come to invite me to something that I heard myself say, okay. And I went along, and it was quite away from where I lived. And it was a crusader class, an interdenominational group uh, of people who just wanted kids in that part of Derry to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And I came to faith through that. And initially, I had a tough time going to a church because, sadly, the invitation didn't follow. I went to two churches, and both of them didn't want me. I guess my language wasn't okay. Certainly my politics was a little off stream. And it wasn't until I went to a church, um, two bus journeys and about three quarters of a mile walk away that I found welcome. And I knew the minute I had arrived at this church that I had found home because three people greeted me before I sat down and said how glad they were to see me and come in and if I needed anything, it would be great. And about a month into going to this church, I asked the minister one day afterwards, what's the funny word on the sign? What does that mean? And the funny word was Presbyterian. And that's how I became a member of the Presbyterian church. There's a lady who's uh, come to MCC recently um, whose own story, I'm sorry she's not here because her story is just so wonderful. Um, For quite some time, they had no church membership. They had a bad experience in church, had left. And through a friend, um, her husband decided that they would come to MCC, and she kind of came along very reluctantly. He loved it, and so he stayed, and so she came. And we had a special Christmas event um, last year. We do a, an Advent event uh, with candles and telling the story of Christmas through song. And I was so chuffed she was there. And afterwards, everyone else went off to have tea and coffee and mulled wine and uh, mince pies and she stayed seated so I went down thinking well maybe she's thinking about the message and I went down and she said to me Keith you know what this church just ain't for me in fact this church stuff I just don't get this maybe home grip I quite like home grip but I'm afraid this isn't for me and I walked away thinking okay I met him pretty much I misread where she was in her journey Well, fast forward a year, and this same lady asks if she can stand up one Sunday morning to our congregation. And with tears in her eyes, she thanks the congregation for gathering her in. That's the phrase that she used. She said that over the previous months, for the first time in her life, she had discovered family. She had discovered a group of people who loved her and cared for her and who just showed her what it is to be welcome in a place And I was taken aback myself when I came back from holidays in the summertime. I went to our first service 
because who was on the welcome desk? This person that not much more than a year ago had said to me, a year and a half ago, I suppose it is now, had said to me, this is not for me. The power of invitation is unbelievable. In John chapter 4, when Jesus meets this woman, who most of us would be kind of awkward around, we read at the end of her encounter with Jesus in chapter 4 and verse 29, she goes and tells the whole village, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And I can say to you that for me, it was like that. Someone came to me and said, come and see. And my life um, has been privileged to be able to ask the same question of others, come and see. And part of my joy is to watch what happens in people's lives when Christians are brave enough to invite them to something. I think John Woodside is absolutely correct when he says that people are more willing to hear the gospel than we are to tell it. And I want to remind you as well of that amazing gift you have. You may not have a musical ability. You may not have preaching ability. You may feel that God has not given you a lot of those kind of gifts. But one sentence out of your mouth could change the whole future of a person and his family and who knows what could come of that. I want to finish by saying that overall these years, the thing that has most truly amazed me is the wonder of grace. Paul says to us in Romans 1 that it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And time and again, as I look at people's lives and I see what God has done in them, that's what my lasting memory will always be of my time in Maynooth, the wonder of grace. When people encounter it, there is nothing else they will ever experience that will be the same. I grew up in poverty and in violence and in brokenness, but there is a poverty far worse than material. There's the poverty of living your life not knowing that you're intended to be a child of God, not knowing that you are created and loved and sought and that Jesus has died to redeem you. So brothers and sisters, as you hear our story, I hope you'll be encouraged and maybe afterwards some of you can share a bit of your story. But I want to remind you too that this wondrous grace that we have, people out there need it. Teenage boys in the middle of the worst Republican areas you can think of, whose family is full of violence, they need it. People who are senior in their years and look as if they've everything settled, they need it. Those that you work with, those that you live beside, those that you encounter through your sports and leisures, every one of them needs the wonder of grace. And God has given us all we need to reach them because all he asks of us is to play our small part. So where could you hold up someone's tired arms in prayer? As you hear about all these mission agencies, as you hear about all these stories, where is it that God could say to you, yes, I'm going to be one who helps hold up tired arms so that prayer can continue? Who is it that you could invite to something? Who is it you could invite to church, to an alpha course, who is it you could invite to a youth group so that they can hear the message of Jesus for themselves? And maybe where is it that you could move to so that that community can have a stronger witness to the message of Jesus? I have to tell you, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, 
um, where I was going to be, I, and you told me Maynooth was the answer, I'm not sure I would have been able to agree with you. But this is the wonder of God's call in us. And I encourage you, let your response to this wonderful week that we have here, let it be to open your heart and say, Lord, is there somewhere you want me to go? Is there some person you want me to go to? Is there one thing you want me to pray about more in my life? And may the Lord bless you as he has blessed us in Minith. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.